Today on Grace to the Hearers with Pastor Eric Kluth. Waiting on God sometimes seems like eternity. But here's the thing, you guys. Waiting on the Lord is a beautiful thing. And let me tell you why. Check out this verse in Isaiah. Therefore the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you. And therefore he will be exalted and he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. So you're blessed if you wait for God. We live in an impatient society. As Pastor Eric shares in his message, this causes us to struggle with the concept of waiting on the Lord. In the Bible, Saul's impatience leads to his eventual sin. We can learn from this example in our lives by striving to wait on the direction and wisdom of the Lord. Well, let's join Pastor Eric for part two of his message in 1 Samuel 13. You must not fear because of the attack, because God is with you. God is with you, and you will not fight alone. In fact, you're a part of Christ. Remember that, that you are part of the body of Jesus Christ. Don't you think that Jesus will defend himself? Yeah, of course he will. Because he has all authority. He has ruled. The enemy cannot prevail against him. And the enemy will not prevail against Christ. So when the enemy starts to loom around you, remember who you belong in, who you abide in. It's Christ Jesus. Therefore, the enemy will not be able to prevail against you. You have been promised life. Life. You've been promised it by our Savior. Eternal life. So now we see that the people were scared. Now we see that King Saul is ruled by his feelings. Interesting. Let's check that out. Verses 8 through 10. Then he, speaking of King Saul, waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal. And the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, bring a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Now it happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering that Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. So when the attack was growing, Saul, instead of seeking the Lord, leaned upon his feelings. People were, they were bugging out. They were scattering. They didn't want any part of what was going on. And, and so they were leaving him. And he's seen this mighty army that he had gathered going away. I mean, if you were a commander going to battle and you saw your men leaving, there would be a concern. What's going on here? Why are they leaving? I know why. We haven't given an offering to the Lord. Where is Samuel at? Because he's supposed to be here to do the offering because he is the priest. Where is he at? Uh, he's not here, is he? What are we going to do? We, we, we got people leaving. I've got to do something now. And what does he do? He gets the burnt offering and the, the, the peace offering, and he made the sacrifice himself. Now, this was a no-no. According to the Lord. He, I mean, I mean this, is, this is amazing, you guys, to see that this man, this king, moved according to the way that he was feeling 
versus just waiting upon the Lord. And so Saul became impatient. Samuel was the priest. He was the one to sacrifice to the Lord. This was not Saul's job. This was not Saul's job. Saul grew impatient, again, seeing his army becoming scattered. So he moved into action. And Saul takes action and makes the offering to the Lord himself. Now, who likes to wait in here? Oh, I do too. Me neither. We don't like to wait, do we? It's our culture not to wait. The the country that we live in is not a wait country. It's now, 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 give it to me now. I mean, you go into restaurants, right? And you see a wait outside. And the first question you say to the hostess is what? How long is the wait? Now, you went there specifically for that restaurant. But because of the wait, you might not want to go there anymore for that night. But your intention, your thought process, your heart was set on this restaurant. But then you come up and the, the waitresses or the hostess is sitting there. Hi, can I have your name? What is the wait time? Not even your name. What is the wait time? It's like 45 minutes to an hour. Oh, you look at your spouse and you're like, do you want to wait? Right? Do you want to wait? And usually it's like, well, if we go over there, it's going to be about the same wait time. So if we go over there, it's going to be about 20 minutes to drive over there or 10 minutes. Then it's going to be 45 minutes. So let's just hang out. It's only an hour, right? (laughs) But the point being is is that we do not want to wait, right? I mean, if you look at materials, cars, electronic stuff, you see the latest and greatest things that are coming out. You want it now. Hence why there is credit. Credit. You want it now? Great. We can loan you the money so that you can have it now. But what happens when you take that loan? You pay more for that, for that product afterwards versus just waiting and getting it when you can. Our culture, the time that we live in, no one likes to wait. I have a hard time at Taco Bell when there's four cars. And I'm like, why does it take so long? What's going on here? You know, you don't want to wait. We live in a society that wants things now. Waiting is not popular in the world we live in. And not only do we not wait for physical things, it's hard to wait for spiritual things. It's hard to wait for spiritual things. Waiting on God sometimes seems like eternity. But here's the thing, you guys. Waiting on the Lord is a beautiful thing. And let me tell you why. Check out this verse in Isaiah. Therefore, the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you. And therefore, he will be exalted and he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. So you're blessed if you wait for God. Psalm 27 says this, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Isaiah 40, 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. There is a lot of upside 
on waiting on the Lord. A lot of upside, right? In fact, I do not see any downside of waiting on the Lord. Do you? I don't. So Saul was moved because he could not wait. And did you guys catch that? He gave up the burnt offering, and then who came after it was done? Samuel. So I bet Samuel, he could even smell the burnt offering. Amazing. He couldn't wait. And so then Saul's like, I'm going to go out there and greet him like nothing has happened. So Saul has sinned. Let's look at that, verses 11 through 12. And Samuel said, what have you done? Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattered from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered together at uh, Michmash, then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and I offered a burnt offering. So here we see the sin called out. The sin happened from Saul. Samuel calls him out and says, what have you done? What have you done? Saul's impatience caused him to sin. Samuel showed up just again as the sacrifice was finished. His impatience caused him to sin. If he would have just waited just a few more minutes... Samuel could have given the offering to the Lord. And so it's interesting to me, though, is did Saul take, did he own up? Did he own up for his sin, for what he did was wrong? No, he did not. He did the blame game. Well, it's because, you know, the people were starting to leave. You weren't here when you're supposed to be here. And the Philistines were gathering against me to to come against us. That's why I did it. He blamed other people. He was responds with excuses. And so Saul then comes out and he says, I had to do something. I felt compelled to do something. I had to move. I had to do this because you weren't here. Because the people were leaving. I had to do something. Impatience leads to a feeling-led life. Impatience lead to a feeling-led life. Saul's sin was that he offered up the sacrifice. Again, he was not the priest, nor was he a Levite, okay? The impatience uh, led him then to sin. And when impatient, you tend to lean upon your feelings, right? When you're impatient, you lean upon your feelings versus waiting upon the Lord. Versus waiting and leading upon the Holy Spirit. Having your feelings lead your life will never give you true peace. One minute you're sad. One minute you're happy. Right? One minute you're calm. One minute you're angry. One minute you're healthy. One minute you're sick. One minute you're motivated, the next minute you're not motivated. One minute you love, then the next minute you hate. It's a roller coaster, right? And when we have feelings, they come and go. And having your feelings lead your life is like rolling, or riding a roller coaster. 
Christine, check, check that out. That's how it is by leading your life according to feelings. Dips and turns this way, you're going to throw up because you're going upside down. There's a little bit of excitement because of the, the you know, hey, this, is, this feels good. But then it's all of a sudden, this doesn't feel good. I'm about to, you know, throw up my nachos. Whatever it takes. But when you lead your life according to your feelings, there is no peace. Because there is no peace on a roller coaster. Let me just tell you. Just because I don't like them. But check this out, what John says about feelings. Okay? First John 3. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings. And he knows everything. God is greater than your feelings. Praise God for that. This verse is powerful because our actions will show that you belong in truth. And who is truth, church? Jesus Christ. Your actions will show that you belong to truth so that you can be confident when you stand before God. Even if you feel guilty, God is greater than that feeling. And you can stand confident because of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because I know that many people in this life struggle and they're like, I feel like I'm not doing my job. But if you are walking in the truth, if you are, you know, living your life to Christ, you can stand with confidence before God, knowing that you have that relationship in Jesus, no matter how you feel, because God is greater than your feelings. I think that is an awesome verse. I was like, wow, that's in First John? Yeah. I've never even read that really. Or if I have, I didn't pay attention. So what does this teach me? Live my life according to the truth. No matter, how I, no matter how I feel, I can stand confident before the Lord. Even if I feel guilty, I can stand confident before the Lord if I'm living my life according to the truth. Now Saul was impatient, and instead of waiting on the Lord, which is the truth, right? Which is truth. He moved, and this move led him into sin. Life with Jesus. Live a life that is according to Jesus Christ. Because if you live a life to the one who is greater than feelings, you will be blessed, you know, because he's going to lead you. Now, because feelings, they come and go. Would you guys agree with that? Feelings come and go. And so we must not let something that comes and go lead your life. If feelings come and go, why hang your life on things that come and go? Why not be patient? Let the Lord God, Jesus Christ, lead you. Let the one who never changes lead. Because according to his word, he will lead you. Uh, he will give you the wisdom when you need it. He will give you the words to say it, right? Let the Alpha and the Omega the beginning and the end lead your life. Not things that go up and down, left to right, all around in circles, because emotions and feelings change. Why not let the one who doesn't change lead your life? Now there's consequences for the sin. And Samuel says that in verses 13 through 15. 
It says this, And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Then Samuel rose and went up from Gilgal to Gibeah of Benjamin. And Saul numbered the people present with him, check this out, about 600 men. There's a problem there, right? 3,000 to 600. And so there's a consequence for the sin. And Samuel tells Saul that he acted foolishly and nobody likes to be called a fool. The result, though, you guys, was what? For Saul's disobedience and his sin, that Saul's kingdom would not last. Why wouldn't it last? Because Saul's heart was wrong. Saul was focused about himself, and God was looking for a man after his own heart. Now we know later to come who that man was, right? It was David. David was a man after God's own heart. Now why does God want uh, a man after his own heart? What does that look like? Why does he want that? Well, because it's resembling God. It's how God would act, how God would want us to act. Well, what does that look like? Well, that manner would honor the Lord, Lord God, right? The man would honor the Lord. That man would enthrone God as king. A man after God's own heart uh, uh, would have a soft and a repentant heart. David was a sinner. He sinned, right? But he was quick to repent. He would often say, I have sinned against God. Now Saul sinned, and what did he do? It's all your fault. He made excuses. A man after God's heart loves people. And after this point, Saul's heart grew bitter towards people. In fact, there was a hatred towards others. David embraced others. So, are you a man or a woman after God's own heart? Now, when we think of that question, listen to this, okay? When we think of a man after his own heart, speaking of God, many of us think that this is a title reserved for a few super spiritual folks. It isn't for us, right? Well, we want these kinds of people around us, but we never think that we can be one of them. We, are, we aren't spiritual enough. But if you look at David, a warrior who killed hundreds of men with his own hands, a fugitive, a traitor, a man who uh, had seasons of backsliding, an adulterer, a murderer, yet he could be called a man after God's own heart. If David can have our sins, right, then we can have his heart. We can love God and pursue him with the kind of focus and the heart David had. That's really encouraging, right? Looking at the times of David's screw-up, but yet he was still a man after God's own heart. And that same heart can be within you. You can have this heart. You can have the heart. And this heart comes through Jesus Christ. And I love this verse, you guys, and I shared it this past Sunday. It's in Ezekiel 18. It says, Cast away from you all the transgressions which you have committed, and get yourselves a new heart 
and a new spirit. For why should you die, O house of Israel? So God is saying through the prophet Ezekiel, cast away your transgressions, your sins that you've committed, and we've all committed our number of transgressions and our sins. But God is saying, you know what? Get rid of those things, cast them away from you, and get yourself a new heart. In a sense, turn to Jesus and get a new heart. A heart that is after God's own heart. It's in Jesus Christ. And so now as we conclude, we see that Israel was in trouble in verses 16 through 23. Saul, Jonathan, his son, and the people uh, present with him remained in Gibeah of Benjamin. But the Philistines encamped in Mishmash, and the raiders came out of the camp of the Philistines in three companies. Uh, One company turned onto the road of Orpha to the land of Shul, uh, another company turned to the road of Beth Horon, and another company turned to the road of the border that overlooks the valley of Zibion toward the wilderness. Verse 19, Now there was no blacksmith to be found throughout all the land of Israel. It's a problem if you're going to war. For the Philistines said, Lest the Hebrews make swords and spears. But all the Israelites would go down to the Philistines to sharpen each man's plowshare his mattock, his axe, and his sickle. And the, and the charge for the sharpening was a pim for the plowshares, the mattocks, the forks, and the axes, and to set the points of the goads. Uh, verse 22, So it came about on the day of the battle that there were neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people who were with Saul and Jonathan. But they were found with Saul and Jonathan, his son. And the garrison of the Philistines went out to the pass of Michmash. And so here we see that Israel is in trouble. But it seems to be in trouble, right? The army went to 3,000 to 600 men. The Philistines removed all the blacksmiths from Israel. Uh, That is not good because now there is no swords nor spears. What in the world are they going to fight with? Making no weapons available for the people of Israel, the 600 remaining. Only the king and his uh, entourage would have the spears and the swords. Kind of a problem going into next week, right, in chapter 14, but we'll see God do an amazing work once again through the uh, hand of Jonathan. So tonight as we conclude, the flesh-lived life will bring challenges. Would you agree with that? Okay. A spirit-lived life will still have challenges, but the difference is the outcome. The Spirit of God and a spirit-lived life will prevail. A flesh-lived life will not prevail. And so we ought to continue to turn and lean into God and trust in His ways. Because remember who you belong to. Remember who you are a part of. Who you abide in. It's Christ Jesus. And we also learn tonight that we need to be patient. 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 <laughs> Wait upon the Lord. Live for truth and not for feelings. Because again, feelings go up and they go down. They go right and they go left. Live for truth and not for feelings. And live for Christ. As you do that, you will have a heart like God. There's so much more Pastor Eric would like to share with you, but we've run out of time for today. 
This has been another edition of Grace to the Hearers, the radio ministry of Pastor Eric Kluth of Calvary Chapel Coolidge in Coolidge, Arizona. Pastor Eric will continue teaching verse by verse through the book of 1 Samuel next time. You can order today's message for free by emailing us at info at gracetothehearers.com. Sometimes it's just easier to call. Our phone number is 520-723-7047. We'll be happy to help you. Again, that number to call is 520-723-7047. You can learn more about Grace to the Hearers, Calvary Chapel Coolidge, and Pastor Eric at our website, gracetothehearers.com. All of Pastor Eric's messages through the Bible are available to listen to or download for free at gracetothehearers.com. Perhaps God spoke to you clearly through this message in 1 Samuel, and you need to review this message. Again, this message and many others are available to listen to or download for free at gracetothehearers.com. We'd also like to encourage you to subscribe to the Grace to the Hearers podcast. Subscribing is easy. Log on to gracetothehearers.com and follow the link, or simply search for Grace to the Hearers on the iTunes store. From all of the production team here at Grace to the Hearers, we want to say thank you for tuning in, and please make plans to join us again for the next edition of Grace to the Hearers.